0: If you'll please take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy, we're in chapter 4, we're going to be looking at verses 9 through 15. Wow, that was was impressive. Good job. (laughs) 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 15, and if you've read through this, you might have looked at this passage and said, how in the world is he going to preach a sermon from this? So it's not, it's, it's even worse than that, because I could have probably preached three sermons from this one passage, and I'm going to go through quickly some of the issues. But again, I want you to, to grasp and understand what it means how God provides for us. And so I want you to remember that God before the fall said that it was not good for man to be alone, but that God made a helper suitable for Adam. Now this was before the fall. So God understood that we as his creation needed relationships. Specifically, we needed some men and women relationships, but we also understand that with David and Jonathan, that they were good and healthy male relationships. We know that there are great um, Naomi and Ruth relationships that we see throughout the scripture. And so we know that God um, has put relationships into our lives for a reason. So it's, not, it's very significant that at the end of Paul's life, the most important concerns for him at that point was Jesus and people. And so John Stott gives this quote, he says, human friendship is the loving provision of God for all of mankind. So we want to look at that this morning, and so again, we're looking at verses 9 through 15 this morning. So this is Paul to Timothy, do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens have gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia, Luke alone is with me, get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus, and when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books and above all the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds." And beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again as we come to your word, we ask that the Holy Spirit would lead and guide, that you would give us eyes to see and hearts to understand. Father, we are so grateful that you're a God who takes care of our provisions, our necessities, as well as our friendships. So teach us and definitely make us look more like Jesus when we leave than when we came. For we do pray it in his powerful name and in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're going to look, first of all, at God's provisions in regards to the tough times. So again, we know and have known that Paul is in prison, and this is probably the last prison ministry that he'll have. For he probably will be executed at any time, depending on when Nero brings him before the court. And so he's in prison, and so therefore he finds himself in the midst of isolation, he's alone so even though Paul is an apostle he's still a man he's still a man just like us and so there are concerns he probably feels very isolated and maybe even forgotten and so he finds himself in prison and so we have to recognize that even leaders need acknowledgement and encouragement It's the same for your elders, the same for your pastors, it's the same for those who are in leadership. Now again, I'm someone who despises the the hallmark industry, okay, I don't like that they put out calendars and there's a day for everything, there's the love your pet day, there's the sibling day, there's, I get the mother's day and the father's day, but the grandparents day, come on, that's like almost every day, at least every Sunday, so you get all these things, and you have to have cards. You have to say thank you. Okay? So there's a part even where the month of uh, October, you know, where it's like your pastor's appreciation month. We don't get a day. We get a whole month. And that's right and good, and that's the way it should be. <laughs> but, but, I mean, one of the things that was when it first started, I was out in Colorado, and so we had 1,500 people at that church okay we had multiple staff members and for pastors appreciation I remember very clearly the women's ministry gave to the pastoral staff a cake a cake for all of us and that was it that was our thank you for the whole month and I was just like well that's really cheap and I came here and there was so many people that gave cards and gave gifts and we're so grateful but I want to tell you, even though I'm despised against the Hallmark thing, if I had gotten through Pastor's Appreciation and I had gotten no cards, I would have felt forgotten. Even the cards that don't come with gifts, just to hear from you all, we love you. We all need that. We all need that appreciation, we all need that encouragement. Let me give you an illustration from Abraham Lincoln. There's in the Library of Congress um, a box, and it holds the contents of what was in Abraham Lincoln's pockets on the night that he was assassinated. Now in there, there are two pairs of spectacles, a lens polisher, a pocket knife, a watch fob, a linen handkerchief, a brown leather wallet that contained a $5 Confederate bill, but then there was eight newspaper clippings. Now why did he have eight newspaper clippings? Because even though we see him out in South Dakota on Mount Rushmore and he's considered to be one of the greatest presidents to ever have lived during his lifetime, he was hated by many people. And so even Abraham Lincoln kept these eight newspaper clippings in his pocket at all times of those people who sought to encourage him. We all need it. And so this is what is happening with Paul writing to Timothy because he needs encouragement. He needs encouragement both physically. That's why he's telling Timothy to come. Come. It's not enough for him just to simply write a letter to him, and that's good. But he wants to have Timothy in person to physically touch and hold on to. And so we have him asking for this encouragement physically, but he also needs spiritual and mental encouragement. Again, we have to admit, we need people to come alongside of us that are going to point us back to Jesus. Jesus to keep our eyes where they need to keep focus. And so as he's dealing this, he's he's telling Timothy the priest come. But then he tells him a couple of things in regards to tough time. And the first thing he talks about is desertion. Demas. Now, you have to understand that one, Demas was a Christian leader. He's one of the people that Paul, when he sends these other letters to people, he says, and I'm including a greeting from Demas. Demas was there. He was a part of the hard things. He was probably there during the first time when Paul was in prison. He was somebody that had gone through hard times with him. He was a strong friend. He was a leader in the mission. He was in the battle. He was someone who walked side alongside of Paul. So here he is uh, um, having this person that now has walked away. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says this, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Now what does that mean? That means that we need to make sure that we don't get caught up in the love of the world. That's what Paul says. He has found the love of the world. Now again, what does that mean? And if you were to go to the the, the commentaries and listen to different pastors, people are on extremes on both sides. Some people would say that, hey, what he did is he he committed apostasy. He left the faith. He quit. He's done. He probably was never a Christian. I don't think that's true. I think he got to the place where he just didn't finish well. See, part, part of the scripture is reminding us how to finish our walk with Christ well. See, he have gotten into the place where, again, it's probably just too much of a cost anymore. And we get that. If we're honest. I've become more hardened as I've gotten older. Again, I've, I've told you, when we, were, when we were young and we didn't have any money and anything like that, if God wanted to call us onto the mission field, heck yeah, let's go. What do we have to lose? Well, now it's like, hey, Jeff, I'm going to call you to take a step of faith and to live by faith from people's giving during a bad economy in a place that you don't want to go. Well, I don't want to do that. I just bought a new lawnmower, for goodness sakes, God. It's a propelled mower. I don't even have to push it now. I just push the handle and it propels itself. And I've got good furniture now, leather furniture. What am I going to do with that? I can't take that on the mission field. I can't take that to Africa. I don't think I'm the only one who likes comfort. But it is a question for all of us to ask, how are we finishing Because here was a man who was in the mission, who was a strong friend to Paul, who was a leader, who found the lure of comfort to be more enticing than to finish the race. So we have to be more mindful that, again, sometimes the deepest hurts come from people we love the most. And that was Demas to Paul. But there wasn't only just the desertion, but there was great opposition. And he tells us there was Alexander, and he did great harm, is what he said. He did great harm to not only the gospel, but to Paul himself. It could be truly that this was the person who gave false accusations and why Paul finds himself in prison at this moment. But Paul wants him to know, Timothy to know, that again, when he's dead and he's telling him, I'm dying, this is a for sure thing. Your world is about to change, Timothy. And as I die, I want you to be aware that this man who's been so adamantly opposed to the gospel and to me will now turn all of his focus upon you. So be ready. Beware that this man is coming after you. But here's the thing, Timothy, don't be tempted to take revenge. Now, again, if I'm anything with you, I'm honest. I'm the same jerk up here in the pulpit that I am at home. You can ask my kids or whatever, and I struggle. I struggle with not wanting to take revenge on people. When people allow their pets to do their little duty in my yard and they don't pick it up, there's a part where it's just like, I'm going to pick it up, I'm going to take it to their house. going to put it on their doorstep throw it against their door i'm going to let them know i didn't appreciate what their dog did in my yard revenge i definitely want them to at least understand that i'm getting back at them i understand what they did see but paul says this to us in regards to scripture Pray for your enemies. Again, easy to say, hard to do. I don't want to pray for that person who let their little dog do its duty. I want to get even. But yet, the thing is, is, God says through Paul to Timothy it's the Lord who will repay. He's the one who will do it, first of all, the right way, and he'll do it at the right time. And maybe I need to quit being such an angry person and pray that the Lord would save them so that they might come and worship as we do this morning. So we all go through tough times, even Paul. Paul. And so Paul, during these tough times, wants the provision that God gives. And he gives it through valued friendships. Now the first person we're going to look at is Timothy. And what he tells Timothy is he says, Timothy, come soon. And actually the word there is make haste. It's a plea for urgency and zeal. Timothy, please come quickly. Now he's doing this because it's a long journey. It's probably at least a three to four month or longer process for Tychicus to bring the letter to Timothy, to take over the pastorate for him for that time, and then for Timothy to make his way back to Paul. So we're again talking about it could be up to a year before Timothy could even get to Paul. And so Paul is, we don't know if he got there in time, but all we know is that Paul's Hoping, like the U.S. government does with our court system, that it takes a long time for your case to come. And so that's what he's asking. Please, Timothy, come quickly. Now, there is a question that people have brought up that, again, I had never thought about, but as a beloved son, was this request from Paul to Timothy bad for the church? Was this a selfish thing that Paul was doing to ask Timothy to leave the Ephesus church to come and to see him in prison? Isn't that a waste of time? Or was this the most healthy thing for the church? See, again, God, I I tell you this, I have rocks, literal rocks in my office, okay? Because one of my best friends um, did this for me. He says, Jeff, God doesn't need you. If God wanted to, He could take this rock and make Him a better pastor than you are, a better friend than you are, a better husband than you are, a better father than you are. It's very encouraging, very built me up a lot. <laughs> he doesn't need you, He wants you. And He wants you to be available. So I keep it. It's a reminder from my friend. To tell me, God doesn't need me, but He wants me, and so I do think it's for the health of the church that it was right for Paul to ask Timothy to come. And he tells him, because he's a beloved son, you need the love of a friend. All of us need the love of a friend, and so we understand when he says, "You have become." Remember what he says in Second Thessalonians. Is it Second, Th- First, or Second? You have become so dear to me that I share with you not only the gospel, but my very life as well. That's what Timothy had become to Paul. I love you so much that I want you to come to see me before I go. I want to touch you and smell you. I want to grab your hand. I want to pray with you I want to encourage you. So he's begging Timothy to come. But he also introduces us to Dr. Luke. Because Dr. Luke, he says, is the only one who's left. And again, loyalty is a big deal. As they talk about this throughout um, different pastors and different commentaries, the thing that kept coming up, kept coming up, kept coming up, is that dr luke was a tough friend for tough times we all need those people because dr luke had gone through everything he was probably the one that took care of of paul physical ailments he was the one who was definitely writing a lot of the new testament with paul and for paul he was there and he seems to be again the only one who's left and he's there in prison with paul to encourage him loyalty it said that every enemy stabs you in the back but a friend will stab you in the heart it's a great quote because a friend will be there and look you in the eyes and tell you what you need to hear and i'm sure dr luke for the apostle paul was a great loyal friend So you have Timothy, you have Dr. Luke, but then you have John Mark. John Mark, now he's a special one. He's a special one because if you know what's going on with John Mark, you know that it didn't start so well between John Mark and the Apostle Paul. Don't believe me? Go to Acts chapter 15. So now John Marks, if you're going to look at somebody being important in the church, it was his family. His house is even said possibly was the house where they had the Lord's Supper in the upper room. They were considered to be one of the high families in regards to Christianity starting off in Jerusalem. So he was someone who grew up around the apostles, someone who probably even saw Jesus at some point in his life. I mean, he was somebody, but he goes on a trip with Paul and he deserts him. Now, Paul doesn't take too well to this. So he sees, and we don't know if he's a kid at that point, an older kid, or if he's a young adult or whatever, but he gets to the place where he leaves, he goes home. And so Paul is not appreciative of this deserter. And we get that, right? Especially if you're in the military. You have a deserter, what do you do? You kill him. Here's someone who's supposed to be there through the thick and thin. You don't leave, you don't walk away from this. But here's little John Mark, goes home. Well, they get to the time where they need to start going back out. And here's Barnabas, this great man of the faith, saying, Hey, we need to take John Mark with us. Ain't going to happen, Barnabas. Oh no, Paul, it's going to happen. John Mark's going to go with us. Do you know John Mark's a loser? He's a quitter. He's a deserter. Your cousin's a no-nothing, good-for-nothing jerk. Leave him at home and he can do women's work. Now don't send me emails and texts or... That was horrible. He probably said it. Barnabas says, Paul, you're wrong. And he takes John Mark. Now what happens at this point is we see that there's a restoration. Because here is Paul and he tells Timothy... Bring John Mark. Now, again, we understand that a couple things have happened. Probably John Mark has matured. He's probably grown in his faith a little bit. Time has passed. And Paul has had to figure out he was wrong. So what he does is he brings about a restoration, a reconciliation, and he uses a word that, again, if you were to to understand about Philemon, again, the, the person that was a slave, and he says he was useless, now he's become useful, he's using that kind of play on words of saying John Mark, this person who was a deserter and a useless person for the ministry, has become useful to me and to the ministry. And there's a great reconciliation that happens between, obviously, Barnabas and Paul, but obviously between Paul and John Mark. And there's a restoration to where he is useful for the ministry and is actually called by Paul to come and visit him before he passes away. So it's a great encouragement for us, for all of us, that there is restoration. So even if you have blown it, and I mean really blown it, Don't let Satan whisper in your ear the lies that you can no longer be used or God doesn't want you. Remember, it's God who loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And that's an incredible gift. You can't earn his love, and you can't throw it away either. His love is perfect. And it's kind. And those of you who have been beating yourselves up for years because you never measured up, because you don't fit the mold, because you don't think you're quite right, you need to live in grace. And you need to preach it to yourself every day that God loves me because he loves me because he loves me. But for those of you who find yourself going, God made a good choice when he chose me, you need to live a little bit into the legalism and find out that God's a holy God and he wants you on your knees and he wants your heart and he wants your head both are true so that's how we find John Mark being reestablished into the ministry but then we also find faithful ministers Crescent now that's a horrible name but Crescent is out doing ministry he's a missionary to to the, he's out in Galatia then you have Titus and we know Titus because we have his book and Titus was a leader among leaders and he's out there in Dalmatia and he's doing the ministry but then you have Tychicus or Tychicus or Ty, I don't know he's a guy but he's a beloved guy He's a beloved disciple of Paul. And again, it's one of these things because for those of us who are in ministry, it's really easy to get caught up and go, I don't measure up. I, I did an internship in, in outside of Washington, D.C. my first year of college in youth ministry. And uh, the person that I worked for, the pastor, this was the time before cell phones, but he had, you know, we still had, the message and he said you've reached so-and-so as someone who's a part of the most are the least important area outside of the most important city of the most important men in the world please leave a message sometimes that's the way i feel we live in melbourne we're not we're not even not that we want to be in orlando but we're not even in orlando we're not tampa we're not miami We're not Atlanta. And we're not even the biggest PCA church in the area, let alone all the non denominational churches that are out there that are kicking our butts. Who am I? Who are you? We're nobodies. Remember, God says you're a somebody, He gave you His Son that's how much he loves you and cares for you and so he calls us not to be extraordinary but to be ordinary faithful people who do unromantic jobs for unromantic reasons Tychicus is he's the one who took the word of God to the church multiple letters of Paul unromantic yet one of the most important things so that we might have the word of God in our hands today you never know how God's going to use you for what purpose at what time for what reason but I will tell you this he is faithful to use you as you're available so we have faithful friends but then we have this last thing as he wanted some necessities and these necessities, first of all, was books. Now again, it says bring the books and all the parchments. Now again, there's some speculation here. First of all, I want you to understand that there was an intellectual understanding that even in Paul still needed books. He still needed his intellect because God is still transforming our minds and our hearts even when we're in our 70s even when we're in our 80s, even when we're in our 90s. God is still transforming us into the likeness of a son. We all still need intellectual understanding. So again, he's wanting his books. Now again, there is speculation here. And it's also just pure speculation. So we don't know if this is uh, the parchments and stuff like that were the word of God. Did Paul ask for the Old Testament to be brought to him? maybe did he have all the things that he had written down about jesus and the ministry and everything that he had that was what was there for the parchments maybe i mean he does have now think about this he has john mark who writes the book of mark he has dr luke who writes luke and acts and you have the apostle paul you have a significant portion of the new testament with those three people standing together So maybe he did have all this stuff. And maybe this becomes the foundation for the New Testament. We don't know. But he wanted his books. Is that bad? No. Continue to improve yourself, both your mind and your heart, as you continue to grow in Christ. The second thing he wanted was his cloak. Now of course this is a necessity he's in Rome, he's in prison he probably got taken away very quickly so he's left some of the stuff we know it's in Troas we know it's there so he left his cloak so hey please bring my cloak, I'm cold now there is a question though for me Paul (laughs) buy a new cloak you're in Rome for goodness sakes if you can find a cloak you can find a cloak in Rome You've got Luke there. Why can't he go out there and just buy you a new cloak? Now, I do think this is a part of where Paul was. Paul never wanted to be a burden. Even at the end, he shows his true color. I have a cloak. I know where my cloak is. Please bring me my cloak. Now, again, as a jerk of... pastor I would have said Paul buy a new cloak it's okay but there's an extra point I think that's there a part of this cloak because it's not just about the cloak I think it's because he wants his friend Timothy he wants Timothy please pick up my cloak because it's not the cloak that's the important thing. Timothy, it's you. You're who I need. You're who I want in my moment of need. So understand that if you have friends, that is a provision of God Himself to you. So thank God. Thank God for the gift that he's given to you in whoever you name, whether they be missionaries that you don't get to see, whether they be friends that are across the country or in other countries, whether they be people who are sitting here in the seats next to you, thank God for the gift that he's given to you. But secondly, let your friends know the strength that they provide to you. Again, listen. I, I think it's I think it's human nature. I hear way more negative things about who I am than positive things, and I don't think I'm alone. Most things that get to us are negative. What we do wrong, what we don't do right, things that we didn't do, things that we are forgotten, people that I misspoke about. What? What we don't do well at is encouraging one another and building each other up. How many times have you been thinking about somebody and you know you should have texted? You know you should have made the phone call? You know you should, you can even, I don't do it, but you can Instagram? Do a TikTok about your friend. I don't give a, I don't care how you do it. Say thank you. Say thank you often and tell them what the gift that they are to you from God the Father. So, as we finish this up, if you're lonely, then you need caring friends around you. If you find yourself hurting, find your loyal advocates. If you find yourself loved, be grateful. If you find yourself in need, admit it and ask for help. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for so many people that you have placed in my life that are gifts. gifts that help point me back to you in some in subtle ways in sweet ways and others who thrust in the knife because a sin has to be eradicated Father I thank you for this passage a weird passage but one that tells of the truths of your provisions for us and to us and Lord, hopefully through us to others around us. And so, Father, may our greatest example be Jesus Christ who gave his life as a ransom for ours, who is willing to die a physical death and a spiritual death so we didn't have to. But then as He is raised from the dead, He gives to us a righteousness that we can never earn to allow us to hear the greatest thing we can hear, that we're a child of the King. Thank you for your adoption. Thank you for your love and your mercy and grace. For they are truly new every morning. So now send us forth into this world, not because you need us, but because you've chosen to use us to build your kingdom in this church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. So, Father, we praise you because you are faithful, both now and forevermore. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. And all God's people said.